food bloggers. Hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta, and I've been a food blogger for over 12 years. I understand how isolating food blogging can be at times. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. This episode is so packed with gold. You guys are going to love this one. It's right up my alley. Andrea Libros joined me in a conversation to talk about taking the scary out of annual planning as we go into 2023. Andrea is from Andrea Libros Coaching. She's a business and mindset and life coach And you are going to absolutely love everything she shares, and you're going to be ready to tackle your goals in 2023 after listening. This is episode number 374, and it is sponsored by Rank IQ. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to eBlog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave eBlog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Andrea is a coach, speaker, podcast host, and soon-to-be-published author who is known for helping bold, ambitious women make clear, confident decisions so that they get exactly what they want every time and not just add another thing to their to-do list. Andrea's clients become I've-got-this kind of women by creating their own custom secret sauce for success in both life and business. The sauce has two ingredients, the right mindset and solid systems. Andrea shows women how to shift from believing what they want is impossible, complex, and dominant wanting to possible just by simplifying, making things doable and fun, even the systems, and adding a bit of competence. Andrea's signature process leads them to find success on their own terms and ultimately joy and freedom in life and business. After graduating from Dartmouth College and marrying the guy that lived down the hall, Andrea and her husband settled in Indianapolis. Over the last few decades, Andrea has started three successful businesses and ultimately became a certified business and life coach, all while raising two kids, now ages 21 and 18, and several giant puppies. Okay. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I am great. Thanks for having me, Megan. Yes. Okay. We always start by asking my guests if they have a fun fact to share. So do you have something to share with us? Yes. So I would tell you that I am currently doing two things that I said I would never, ever do. Number one, build a house. And number two, write a book. (laughs) And both of them are happening all at the same time. Oh my gosh. Okay, so are they as scary as you thought they would be or? I think what's interesting is, and I was just chatting about this with a friend the other day, the pieces of the puzzle, we'll call it, that I thought were going to be the scariest or the reasons I thought it, both, both writing a book and building a house would be hard are really not the reasons that they're hard. So like things that I thought we wouldn't, I wouldn't even have to think about or couldn't even have imagined having to think about. I am thinking about and things that I thought might have been challenging just kind of happen naturally. So it's like there it's still hard and scary, but for totally different reasons. So I think that's been kind of fun. The moral of your story, the heart is different and it's not worth worrying about what you think is going to be hard because it's likely going to be a different kind of heart. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I am glad that you're diving into both because I feel like we need to do scary things, mm-hmm. which is kind of the point of our whole talk today, this whole yeah. thought of annual planning. So you probably didn't intend for it to tie in, but it totally does. It does. You're right. I did not intend, but it does. Yes. We're going to talk today about taking that word scary out of annual planning because I do think that planning is so vital to running a successful business and just taking that mental load off too, so that we can open ourselves up to doing other things. Mm-hmm. So why do you think, Andrea, that it does seem like such a chore for a lot of us? Well, I think it's kind of a twofold thing or maybe even threefold. Number one, just sitting down to create a plan that's more than a plan for what you're going to do in the next hour. Sometimes what you're going to do in the next hour is hard enough, right? So sitting down to kind of create a plan for a longer period of time can seem really daunting. And especially in today's world where we don't know, you know, we never knew, but now we really think we don't know what was going to happen in the next minute, hour, week, day. Like there's so many things that could interfere with this plan. How could I ever plan out longer than an hour? Because I don't know what's going to happen, right? Now we honestly, we never knew it was going to happen, but for now, even more, it seems sometimes like, why would I even bother? Because things are so unpredictable. So I think that's number one. I think number two is once you start to kind of put pen to paper and create a plan, then it becomes a little more real. And we become fearful that we might not make it happen, be able to make it happen, not have the knowledge to make it happen. And then our brain automatically goes to, well, there's potential here. I might fail. And no one wants to fail, right? No one wants that. So I think our brain is sending out messages telling us, you know what, is it really even worth it again? Because this might not actually happen. You might fail. So I think that's another reason. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's so interesting that instead of like, putting something on paper and failing, we'd rather just not do anything, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. There's something called, and I use this with my clients a lot. It's called the motivational triad. So it's like what motivates us as humans and motivates us as humans goes way back to the caveman era when all we wanted to do was stay safe, be efficient and comfortable. It's like, we didn't want to leave the cave because out there in the wild, you know, it's kind of scary and things are hard. So that is still how our brain operates. So anything that sort of poses a threat, we want to avoid. It's just, it's human nature. But yet, you know, I always love to say anything you ever wanted is on the other side of uncomfortable. So, you know, there's that too. And that takes practice, right? You have to Mm -hmm. do it over and over in order to just get used to that feeling of, okay, this is really scary and uncomfortable, but I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. It takes a lot of practice. And I think sometimes too, when we're talking about making a business plan or an annual plan, we can talk about people get like, is it a business plan? Is it an annual plan? What is it? We really start to focus on our brain wants to go to how am I going to do this? So if I create this goal, we automatically want to know how we're going to do it. And a lot of times we don't know how we're going to do it, but we like to know how, because then it makes it more safe right? And then it sounds easier if we actually know the how, but we don't always know the how. So therein lies another reason why sometimes this all seems so scary. 
So if we don't know the how, which often we don't and we really shouldn't, I think, how do we formulate a plan in the first place? So we just go to like visioning one year into the future, like what do I want in my life or how do you break it down? So how I go about it, there's so many different ways to do this, right? And it kind of depends actually where you are in life and in business. But I'm just, I'm going to give you one way today. How I really encourage my clients to go about it is in almost like a two-part process. Part one is really doing more of the visioning. And part two is figuring out how to get traction or take action on the vision. So again, we want to go right to that action place. But I think we, we miss out on a very, very and crucial, important step in the visioning. So I always say, first of all, let's figure out what are you, what do you value right now? And I think this plays into both life and business because life and business are so much intertwined. I'm a business coach, but yet I kind of take a whole life approach because our businesses are very much intertwined in our lives. So right now, you know, what is of utmost importance to you? What do you value most? And if we think about that, just with a business hat on, what you value most in your business is that those values are actually going to be kind of guiding principles to make lots of other decisions from. So if you value, for example, innovation, then any project you take on or person you start to work with, they also should hold that same value. If you value communication, then you need someone in your business and you need to help yourself hone your communication skills. So Values are a really great place to start even before you get a little deeper into a vision. Then I always say, all right, now let's just go out 10 years. And 10 years seems super scary to people, but it's necessary. So if you have a 10-year vision, it's really like just a painting on the wall. It's like a Renaissance painting. It's got fuzzy, fuzzy, fuzzy lines. But what would you love 10 years to look? What would you love this to look like in 10 years? Where will you be? What will you be doing? What will other people be doing? So it's really helpful to to use that analogy of like a Renaissance fuzzy picture on a wall so that you don't have to get caught up in the minutia. But if you don't have that 10-year vision, then you don't really even know what you're working towards. And I think sometimes this is the hardest part because people say, oh, I have a really hard time dreaming. I can't even think about what's happening tomorrow. How am I going to picture 10 years from now? So giving yourself the space and time to do that is of utmost importance. And a lot of times just in coaching, that's what I'm doing. I'm holding space, I like to say, for people to do that kind of thinking because doing it on your own a lot of times can be really challenging or we never, ever do it. I don't know if you've found that. Oh gosh, um, yeah. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true, right? So learning how to kind of ask yourself the right questions to help formulate that 10-year vision is also important because a lot of times we don't want to ask ourselves these questions, again, for fear of, "Hmm, what if I come up with some amazing idea that I can't make happen? Mm-hmm. or I don't know what's going to happen in my life. I don't even know where I'm going to live or what I'm going to be doing, all that kind of stuff. So we we constrict or restrain ourselves from even going into that place. But 10-year vision is really, really important, I think. 
Wow, I love that. I usually think ahead to three years, but I do like that concept of thinking ahead even further and just knowing, like you said, it's going to be fuzzy. It doesn't have to be distinct, clear lines, right? We can have a really just faint vision of what it's going to look like then. Yes. So, and if we don't, it kind of actually, I'm going to say, makes it really hard to create the three year picture because. In three years, that's actually only, you know, about a thousand days. Three years from now is only a thousand days from now. So where do you want to be in three years? And there you can start to get a little bit more specific. You can have what I call some measurable things in there. You can think about probably where you are going to be living potentially or what your business will be, will include or not include in that point. So more of like a 10-year vision and then a three-year picture is how I like to position those. Yeah, that's well said. I like that. Yeah. And in that three-year picture, you also can really think about what do I want to be focusing on? So as your business evolves and you evolve as a human too, what's your focus going to be? So if you're starting out blogging and you're kind of a one-man show right now, In three years, do you picture yourself as a one-man show or do you picture yourself maybe with a team or do you picture yourself, you know, putting your content out in a different way? You've got to have kind of have a picture of that so that then the decisions you're making more in the short term are actually building towards that three-year picture. So once you have a solid three-year picture, well, it's probably going to be a little fuzzy too, not as fuzzy as your 10-year vision. But once you have that kind of in place in your mind, then you can work backward even more and create a plan for the coming year, right? Yeah. So this is kind of the place where you start to gain some, what I like to call traction. Okay. So how are we going to get to that three-year picture? How are we going to make that three-year picture become a reality? So now we're talking about one-year goals. And this is where people really love to start. (laughs) But if they start here, then they're really just thinking about, and I'm going to put this in air quotes if we were together, what's realistic? Like, what can I really accomplish in the next year? And they're not giving themselves the opportunity to gain that clarity of really where they want to go long term. So you can't neglect the 10-year and the three-year. But when you get to one year, now they start to turn into actionable goals to create, to make that three-year come true. And I'm a big believer in using what I call smarter goals. So a lot of times my clients have heard of smart smart goals. Like that's something that's kind of a term out there in the world. But I love talking about smarter goals. And the extra ER there on the end stands for, the E stands for exciting. And the R stands for risky. And that those are kind of the kickers in this in a sense you know s is specific okay we I mean, we can go through the, all the letters of the alphabet of the smarter word s is specific m is measurable a is actionable r is relevant t is time sensitive but e and r are exciting and risky and if things aren't exciting and risky we're not going to do them That's really what it comes Mm -hmm. down to. We're just not going to make it happen. It's interesting that that's the reality of it. 
but we need a little excitement or else our brain is just going to say, you know what? It's way easier to just, (laughs) yeah, to just hang out here. It's safe. It's comfy. It's easy. And why would I want to put myself out there, right? And and leave the cave, for example. Yeah. Why do I want to leave the cave? You've got to have that element of exciting or else, again, it's probably not going to happen, which is interesting. It's just that's kind of neuroscience. Yeah, right. The excitement and the risky, I feel like, combined create, maybe stir up some passion, right? And that's, yeah. that's what yeah, makes because- it work. It is, I think it is what makes it work. So really, as we're working towards any goal, we're doing what I call passionating. So I kind of turned the word passion into a verb. Love it. Because that's where the fun is. It's in, along the journey. Because guess what? When we reach a goal, we're like, okay, next, right? None yeah. of us, and I could have a, we could have a whole podcast on this, but we don't really stay there long enough to reap the... I don't want to say the rewards, but we don't really stay there long enough to enjoy reaching the goals, right? So there does have to be some excitement along the way in order to become, create that motivation or commitment to make them happen. Yeah, that's a great element. So once we have created those one-year goals, okay, first of all, I have a question. How many do you recommend having? Because I you know, like 20 goals would be too much. One would be too few. Where do we go? So I think you should have three to seven annual goals. I think anything after that is unlikely to happen. What I find is like we could generate way more than three to seven goals. Like if, we, if I just said, okay, write them all down. What are you thinking? But what really, if you take a deeper look at them, you're going to realize that a lot of those goals that you've written down are actually pieces of bigger goals. Like you could almost slide them underneath the bigger goals. Mm. So really, you probably can get them down to seven. And I think especially like your listeners, if they're trying to grow their business, I mean, there's they have to market their business. They have to have some sort of back-end operations in their business. They have to figure out how they're going to deliver their services in their business. I mean, a lot of things could probably filter under one of those three bigger buckets. And a lot of times the things that filter under the bigger buckets are really then what you're really talking about are kind of next steps or action steps. And those are really what you need to focus on each quarter. So each quarter you should have probably five to seven quarterly focuses or priorities that are feeding into those one-year goals. Got it. So if you find yourself with 20 goals, I'm going ch- to guess that they all could filter under really bigger annual goals and then maybe kind of almost get pulled out again into be kind of quarterly action steps. So you could categorize them and kind of lump them together, really. Yes, absolutely. And we're not going to be able to do everything in quarter one, right? It's just not possible. (laughs) So on the, the next, the last section of this traction part two of a business plan, you've got your one-year goals, you've got your quarterly priorities or focuses. And then that third column, I always say, are the issues 
So what are the things that are still kind of dangling out there that you know you have to address at some point, but maybe it's not going to happen in the next 12 weeks? So I just literally got off the call with a client and I said to her, all right, so we're recording this. It's almost the beginning of December. What do you want to accomplish this month? And she listed off actually 11 things because I was writing them down as she was listing them <laughs> off. And I was said, all right, Morgan, you know, in the next three month, three weeks, kind of December is kind of like a short month. Are you really going to get all of these 11 things done? She's like, no, I'm not. So, all right, let's reprioritize. What are, say, like the five most important things out of these 11? Okay, we got to those. And then those other six, I said, I love these ideas you have. I know you want to work on this stuff. Let's kind of park those remaining items on the issues list. It's kind of issues slash ideas. It's things you want to address in the future. It's like a no for now, but not a no forever. Mm-hmm. We can park them there. And then when we relook at this business plan on January 1st, we can, we're going to kind of pull, decide which of those we're going to pull in to Q1 of 2023. And having you to say that to her, I feel like would be really helpful because often I'm like, oh, I can do all of this. Yeah. But to have someone look at my goals and plans and be like, wait, you're not going to get all of this done. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, we all, we all have grand plans, right? Right. But we're not, we're probably not going to get everything we want to get done, done. So the way I walk, walk my clients through that is we looked at our 11 things and she could quickly, you know, narrow down, like cut out maybe three or four of them. And then we had the rest. And I said, okay, of these, okay, what I want you to put, kind of think about each of them and then put it into one of four categories. Is this something that you're ready to do today? Like if I said, okay, we're going to get off of this call and now I want you to go work on this. Are you ready to do it? That's kind of, give it, it's either a do Or is it something that you really need to plan? Like you need more pieces of information in order to start doing it. Or is it something that you could delegate? And this brings up a whole other topic because delegating can be scary or sometimes people are like, I have no one to delegate to, which isn't usually true. We can talk (laughs) about that too. And the fourth thing, so it's a do, a plan, a delegate, or is it an eliminate? It's like a no for now, but not a no forever. And once we kind of went through that, then it got easier for her to even whittle that list down even further about what she was going to be able to do this month. But ask you, though, is key to growing your business. It is. And growing yourself, too, because you become much more realistic, kind of like you're eavesdropping in on your brain about, "Mm, is this happening? Is it relevant even for this season, literally season or season outside in the world, season of life, season of your business? Or is it just like something that you'd love to have eventually? So Mm. doing all of this, again, isn't super easy on your own because we want to just stay safe. We want this to be easy and efficient. Or we go to the other extreme where we just decide we're going to kill it, man. We're going to do all of this. And then that's not realistic relevant, or even exciting, it just becomes overwhelming. Mm, Yeah, that's great. Let's take a quick break because I would love to tell you about my favorite keyword research tool, Rank IQ. 
One of my favorite strategies with this tool is to write really robust, helpful, and informative non-recipe posts that actually help add value to people's lives and also support and lift up my own existing content. Let's talk through an example. Sauces. My homemade sauce recipes have become a huge hit because they are both easy and delicious. This is a great category to boost because I have so many sauce recipes on my blog that perform well year round. I type sauce into the keyword research library in Rank IQ. I sort from lowest to highest competition and I look through those keywords one by one, pulling out the ones I know I can write quality content about. I add as many of those keywords as I can to my content calendar, and once the posts are published, I interlink to existing and relevant sauce posts. Then I sit back and watch the magic happen. This is a really easy strategy that works and that you can try as well. Go to rankiq.com to get started. Now, back to the episode. So how do we carve out time to do this, and how much time do you recommend setting aside to put all of this together? So... I think when you create an annual plan, there's so many different ways to do it. But what I always say to my clients is, first of all, be kind to yourself and give yourself that space to think. So I like to say, set aside half a day, like three to four hours to do this. Create or have a format that you're going to work off of. Just sitting down with a blank piece of paper is going to not give you a final product in the end. You want to walk away from that half day with something super tangible. So I often guide my clients through, I call them like half day strategy and planning days. And it's just that other person and me either on Zoom or in person. And I am asking the questions and I am also being the scribe. So if you can do this with another person and as a partner while they're being the scribe and your ideas are just flowing out, it makes it even better. But you've really got to walk yourself through those. What are your core values? What's what's your 10-year vision? What do you want to focus on in the next three years? What's your three-year picture? Then switching gears and kind of going into the action part. What are your one-year goals and your quarterly priorities and your issues. And that, I mean, I just spew that off in 20 seconds, but walking through that whole process should probably take you a half day if you're going to do it well. And anything more than that would for me be overwhelming, but four hours is like, oh yes, I can sit down and do four hours. Yeah. Cause you're really like, think about it. You're spending four hours and out of 365 days, each made up of 24 hours, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really not a lot of time. It's like you're giving yourself that gift, right? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a gift of clarity. And it's also a gift of confidence that you can do hard things. Like you can figure this out. You will be able to figure out going back to kind of circling back the how of all of it. So We want to go to the actions, but I think a really important part of this planning is really creating more of a belief plan than an action plan. So as we're talking about this over a morning, you're starting to create more belief in yourself and your business. So belief in you and the service you offer. And the more belief you create in yourself and the service you offer, belief fuels belief. Belief fuels actions. Actions don't fuel fuel beliefs. So if we just focused on what are you doing today, like what do you have to pound out today? What are your actions? 
that really is not contributing to you reaching your big, big goals because you're just, you're focusing on the minutiae. If you can focus on bigger picture kinds of things, like believing in you and the service you provide, the actions are going to come naturally. I have found, so I do this every year and it's funny, Andrea, because I do four hours toward the end of December usually. Hey, we didn't even know this before we started. No, I did not. No, I did not know that you were going to say that, but I love looking back. So I write out my values. Like you mentioned, I write out all of the things I want to accomplish in three years and one year. And I also write down things that I don't want to focus on in the next year. And I just like dump everything on my Google Doc. And I like going back after. So I'm coming up on, you know, last year's Uh visions for this future for this year. And I like going back and looking to see what I wrote and to see how much of it came to fruition, how much of it was like kind of died. But it's really valuable, I think, to look back and see after the time has evolved what you kind of thought for your year, right? Yeah, it's it's really, it's exciting. It's powerful and exciting, yeah. Yeah, and I think something that's also interesting is if you do, if you structure your annual plan this way, then what you're also setting yourself up for is making it a working document. So I think it's something that should not really go in the drawer and not looked at for another 365 days. I think if you can be using it again as like a working document, it's like a Google doc, right? That can always change. And you're looking at it at the bare minimum on a monthly basis, you're going to start to create that traction you're looking for. It's actually going to be something that is motivating because you're going to be able to cross things off. So I think one of the most fun things that I do with my clients is when I meet with them, I be I mean, this is kind of part of my coaching process. Like, okay, let's pull it out. What have we, where are we? And when they can cross something off, like done. I feel so good. The adrenaline that that gives them is amazing. And then really at the end of a quarter, we kind of look, did they, can we cross off all the things that are in that quarter section? And what are we going to put in for next quarter? Right. And then as the year goes on, you actually can even cross off sometimes some of those annual goals. And that's what I mean when I say, hey, we need, let's make this a working document. Let's make it a tool that actually propels you versus makes you feel less than or makes you feel defeated, right? It's, it's, if you're using this in the right way, it's actually going to be something that's super motivating and helps you stay committed. And you mentioned this earlier too, just giving you that confidence when you look back. I usually look at mine quarter to quarter just to see if I'm on track, sometimes more, but it gives you, it gives me confidence when I see that I've created this big, scary goal and I'm actually achieving it. Then I'm like, okay, cool. I, if I can do that, then I can do the next thing. So I think that's a huge piece of it. It is. It is a great way to start. So if someone's listening and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know. A great way to start is, I always say, if you and I were sitting down for a glass of wine or whatever your beverage of choice is, 12 months from now, and you said to me, you know, Andrea, these have been the best 12 months ever, what would have happened to make them the best 12 months ever? How would you feel when, if, if it were the best 12 months ever? And 
seeing someone's face light up, first of all, they're like, well, being realistic. And then I say, nope, this doesn't have to be realistic. Let's like the, the sky's the limit. And seeing their, their face light up is just, it gives them confidence in and of them in and of itself, because they almost like they can feel all of the feelings wash through them that they had to go through in order to make those things happen. So I like to say confidence is really your willingness to feel all the feelings. And if you can believe or even imagine what your best 12 months ever looked like, then you probably also can imagine that it's not going to be a straight line to the end. And it's not going to be all feel so amazing. There's going to be some rough points, but you're willing to work through those. So confidence is really the willingness to feel all the feelings in my book. Oh my gosh. I love I love how you combine mindset with a plan like systems and an actual plan. I think that's so important and it's something that not everyone does. But mindset and confidence and all those things that fall under mindset are such a big piece of this puzzle, right? They are. Like that's the secret sauce. The secret yeah. sauce is like it's it's half the two ingredients mindset and I like to say systems and processes. So it's not one or the other. You need both ingredients. And we like to start thinking, oh, I just need more systems and processes. True, you do. But really, it's the mindset that's going to fuel the systems and processes, or it's the thinking or beliefs that are going to fuel the actions. So this way that I approach this plan, which kind of eliminates, I think, some of the scary is to spend you know, half of our energy on that mindset piece or that visioning piece and half of our energy on actually taking the actions or figuring out what some immediate actions might be. That's what eliminates the scary. If we just go to like, what do I need to do? Then your brain comes up with all sorts of reasons of why it can't happen. If we just talk super hypothetical pie in the sky dreaminess, then our brain goes to, yeah, like, how am I going to make this happen? So you've got to combine both. And that is what I think is really the secret sauce. And, and that's how I coach. So like sometimes people say to me, well, why, you know, when, what do you do that's the different? And, and I, like I said, I'm like, I'm a business and life coach because it's all intertwined, just like mindset and systems are all intertwined. You are speaking my language, Andrea. That is, <laughs> you know, I have people ask me too, like what sets your podcast apart from others like your, like, you know, diving into food blogging. And I say the same thing. It's all about mindset. Like if you don't have that mindset foundation and you don't take care of yourself and you don't have all of those pieces, then you're never going to grow a successful business. No. So it has to be both. And that is what sets my this podcast apart from others because I prioritize that. Yeah. You can't just act all the time and you can't just think all the time. You've yeah. got to you've got to have both components. A lot of times I'll have clients come to me and and say, well, I, I just, and as soon as they say just, that, that's a big red flag, but I just need to be more productive or I just need to focus or I just need to figure out, you know, how to do X, Y, and Z. And I always say to them, what do you think, what's the real issue here? Like if there's a thing called the seven whys and, you know, why do you just need to figure out how to be more productive? Well, if I were more productive, then I get more done. Why do you need to get more done? 
Well, because then I'd be further along in my business. Why do you want to be further along in your business? So if you keep asking those questions, you kind of get to the real root of the issue. And 99% of the time, it has to do with them. The way to solve it is to change their thoughts. So I like to say, what are some new thought options that you could adopt Mm -hmm. and put in there in order to give you that momentum? Now, when Mm -hmm. it comes down to like productivity and things like that, I think it is helpful to figure out kind of your productivity archetype, like what is really getting in your way or giving you that feeling that you're not productive. And I, I created a quiz around that, that you can go take and figure out what your productivity type is. That's at Andrea's with an S links with an S.com. There's also a quiz on there to figure out where in your business things might be falling apart. There's two quizzes, but even if you go do that, really what it's going to come down to is you changing the way you're thinking about things, no matter what. Oh, yes. I knew I would like you, Andrea, but this is like, (laughs) yes, this gets me so excited to hear somebody else say this. I feel like I say this stuff all the time and I'm just like this broken record and everyone wants to just do, do, like teach me the keyword research, teach me the SEO, which is absolutely important. I do not deny that at all. But we've got to back up a little bit and and pay attention to these things that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, SEO, I was just did a call yesterday with someone who's helping me with SEO. So they're all important, right? But why are they important? And what do you want to accomplish from it? And right now, is that the most important thing? And that's really where having a master plan to go back to and reflect upon is important because we can get go down so many rabbit holes, like teach me SEO, teach me this, teach, right? Those are all rabbit holes and we could take millions of courses and gain all sorts of knowledge. However, if you're not really putting that into action and getting the result you want, then there's something missing. And oftentimes it's really belief in yourself or belief in what this escapade you're going on is going to get you. <laughs> So I, there's also like, there's passive action and then there's massive action and kind of teaching and learning is really important, but it's more passive action. Like listening to this podcast is an amazing thing to do. Like you are feeding yourself, like you're feeding your brain, but in reality, it's kind of like passive action. Even if you tell yourself you're going to take action steps from it, it's sort of passive until you start to put the truly put things into play and take that massive action. The massive action is what's going to move the needle. And that's the harder part, unfortunately, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Actually doing. Okay. So you've encouraged us to set aside four hours. I think this is a great time of year to do that. We're all kind of coming out of Q4 when, I mean, for food bloggers, Q4 is just high traffic, you know, higher revenue, kind of crazy because we're trying to deliver food and all of the things to people who are eating around the holidays. So after Q4 is done, we're ready to breathe a little bit and plan for the next year. So set four hours aside in your calendar. Anything else that you recommend for the planning? We've talked about like 10-year, three-year, one-year, quarterly. Anything else you want to mention that we should do during that four-hour period? Yeah, I think doing it with someone else, with a partner or a guide will make it 10 times more valuable. 
because that other person is hopefully, if they're doing it in the right way, is going to be asking you the right questions and kind of challenging your thinking. So I would encourage you to do it with someone else, either a friend, a colleague, a coach, whatever. That's kind of number one. Number two is if you are lucky enough to have that other person, maybe trade and have someone else kind of be the scribe while you just, I call it like ideate, while, while information is just coming out of you. There's more is going to come out of you when you're not actually typing or writing yourself. And then the third piece is if you can, and you can do it where you've got like big pieces of paper on the wall or on the table, something that's more physical, like if you add a physical element to it also, it becomes more valuable. So those are kind of tips and tricks to to help do that. And again, like when I do these with my clients, I do them in these strategy and planning days. You know, I kind of include all of those elements so that at the end, you walk away with something super tangible that's not just going to get shoved in a drawer that you're hopefully going to look at each month. And that's another thing. Build into your plan some accountability and some support. How are you going to support yourself over that next year to act, to help make some of these things realities, to get the results you're looking for. So your support team or your accountability team should be part of your plan from its inception to its final delivery. I think you're missing a big boat if you're not doing that. Yeah, I love that. Do you recommend putting something on your calendar monthly to do that so that you don't just let it go? Yes. Okay. Yes. I do recommend that you have kind of either a standing CEO day with yourself each month, or you have kind of a standing appointment with some other person where you do this together, or you get yourself involved in some type of coaching program, membership, where that is kind of part of what's being offered, this kind of support to help you think through where you're at and what you're doing, what's working, what's not working, and what do you want to do differently. So I think we all have good intentions with that. Sometimes it's hard to do on on our own. So I am big about support. And do you have recommendations for implementing tasks weekly? (laughs) Because for me, it's easy to see what I need to do and to put it to next week. And then before I know it, it's like, oh my gosh, everything's piled up. So kind of the next piece of this, and we could do a whole other podcast if we wanted to, but the next piece of this is taking this plan and teasing it down into monthly, weekly, and daily actions. And my best tool for that is I use something called the full focus planner. It is a, it is a manual paper planner, but I use that in conjunction with my digital calendar. And again, that's really all mindset and helping you think through what you do need to do. But that process is really training your brain to kind of think in threes. What are my weekly big three and what are my daily big three? And I have a whole kind of mini coaching program around that full focus planner as well. No matter how much we love our Google calendars or our calendar on our phone, and I'm a, I love mine, you do need to create the space or the place for you to think about what you're doing next week mm. or next hour or tomorrow. And putting pen to paper literally is what I've found. And there's a lot of research behind this. What is the most valuable? So yes, that's my, that's my recommended tool for that one. 
I do feel like we could go on and on. I just love this topic. <laughs> it's so valuable and I think so important and relevant. And yeah, we're getting this in at the perfect time of year too. Thank you, Andrea. Is there anything before we start saying goodbye that you would you feel like we should mention? I think really get to know yourself through this process. Like be, if you know that Friday afternoons are not your most productive time, then don't schedule something for Friday afternoon. Don't kid yourself because you're not doing yourself any favors. And if you take the time to create this annual plan, use it, like really use it like you would any other tool. It's like going to become another tool in your toolbox. It's a kind of a way to help redirect your thinking and give yourself kind of that safety blanket. Amazing. Thank you so much, Andrea. I really appreciate your time today. To end, I like to ask all of my guests if they have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with. Do you have anything for us? I do. I do. I think one of my favorite quotes is, being an entrepreneur is really a journey in personal development disguised as an entrepreneurial adventure. Okay. So owning your own business is really a journey in personal development disguised as an entrepreneurial adventure. It's supposed to be super fun and exciting, but what, in order to be fun and exciting, you really have to grow yourself and your own beliefs in yourself. So that's one of my favorite quotes. That's kind of deep. I really like that. It's so true. I think a lot of us can think back on our journeys as an entrepreneur and probably really relate to that. So I love it. Yeah. Yes. It's kind of a great guiding principle. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. That was a great way to end. We'll put together show notes for you, Andrea. We'll put that quiz link in there and then we'll have all other just takeaways from the show. If you want to peek at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash Andrea. Libros, and that is spelled L-I-E-B-R-O-S-S. Why don't you just reiterate where people can find you online and social media, Andrea? Sure. So I'm going to guess lots of your listeners are on Instagram. So you can find me at Andrea.Libros, L-I-E-B-R-O-S-S, dot coaching on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook at Andrea Libros Coaching and on LinkedIn at Andrea Libros. If you go to Andrea's with an S, links with an S.com, you're going to find all sorts of amazing pieces of information and helpful hints, including those two quizzes. And I also have a podcast. So a great way to consume some of this passive knowledge or taking passive action is to listen to the Time to Level Up podcast, Time to Level Up. You can find that on all your favorite podcast players and you will get to hear my voice on a weekly basis. I do not listen to your podcast, but I am so excited to go listen. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. I am. Yeah, go listen. There's actually a lot about this planning, business planning and all that. That's a lot lot of recent episodes on that. Oh, good. Okay. I'm super excited. I'm going to do that later today. Well, thank you again, Andrea, so much for being here. We so appreciate you. And thank you for listening, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you posted it to your social media feed and stories. I will see you next time.